Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5, and uh, we're going to be in verse 21 this morning. But just to kind of give you a little bit of a, a recap, you remember we, we talked about last week and over the last couple weeks about how uh, that maniac of Gadara came to Jesus, and uh, right as soon as he got off the boat, and uh, he ended up healing him of his demonic possession, and then uh, last week we, we saw how the people, uh, specifically the owners of those pigs that all, you know, jumped off that cliff, uh, they were upset that Jesus was there, and that Jesus did what he did, and uh, they asked him to leave. They said, please go. But it was not just the, the owners of those pigs, but rather the whole, uh, the whole area, the whole city wanted him to leave, according to Luke's gospel. And uh, so we remember that, and how that man, he, he ended up going and he told everybody about what Christ had done for him. And what a great example uh, he serves to us, as we should tell Christ of what he has done for us. Uh, as Jesus told him, he said, go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. And if you're here today and you're saved, Christ has had compassion on you. He has done great things for you. And if you're here this morning and you're not saved, I want you to know Christ still has compassion on you. His mercy is still real today for you because you're still breathing and you're still alive and he's still, he's giving you a chance to repent even today. So let's look at Mark chapter five, look at verse 21. And uh, this is, we're going to read several verses, but uh, the, it's, it's interesting how the story goes. Uh, there's an interruption. Jesus ends up going to uh, heal a little girl, but then there's an interruption uh, with a, a woman with an issue of blood. So let's look at verse 21. It says, And when Jesus was passed over again by the ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh into the sea. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood twelve years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus came in the press behind and touched his garment, for she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? And he looked round about, to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much for your love that you showed uh, for us, as you sent Christ to die on the cross for our sins, to be the propitiation for our sins, to pay the penalty so that we did not have to, God. I thank you uh, for this gospel of Mark 
that you just have that you've given to us so that we can see just snapshots of the ministry of Christ. I thank you for it, Lord. I pray that you'll use it, uh, use the word, use the preaching of your word this morning to speak to our hearts, to change lives, to challenge souls. I pray, Lord, that you'll just help us to be dedicated and sold out to you. And I pray, Lord, that you'll be with us and help us to have more faith, that you can uh, do wonderful things, Lord, that you help us to have the faith uh, to believe that you can uh, fix uh, issues and you can uh, save people's souls and you can bring people to saving faith, Lord. And I pray uh, that you'll just uh, help us to have more faith as a result of what we see in your word this morning. And again, Lord, I ask that if there's anybody here that's not trusted in you, that today uh, would be the day of salvation. And that today, uh, every soul that leaves here, they will know that they have eternal life and that they will no longer live in rebellion against you, that they will no longer live at odds with you, but rather seek to live in harmony with you and that they will trust on Christ as their personal Savior. I pray, Lord, that you'll just uh, give me the right words to say and, and help I mean, just to glorify your son, Jesus Christ, in your holy and precious name, amen. I like the story that an English evangelist told about a young Prince Edwards as he was visiting a military, a military hospital, and there were injured war heroes of World War I that were receiving treatment. And after being escorted through these cots and he was thanking each one, uh, the nurse that led him, uh, was, was with him, and then he goes, he turns to the nurse and says to the nurse, hey, listen, I understand you had 36 patients here, but I've only seen 29. And he cared enough about those uh, veterans who want to go and thank them and uh, talk to them. So the nurse gently explained, well, you know, we've, we've moved some of the more disfigured veterans so that they don't disturb you too greatly. And Prince Edwards, he simply uh, insisted that he could see them, and then he was brought to a room where six more men laid. And once again, the, the prince thanked each veteran. He, he, he just went to them and he shook their hand and tried to talk to them. Uh, but then as he left the room, he again asked about the missing veteran. He said, I've, I've seen 35, but where's the 36th one? And then that nurse hesitated. And she said, Your Majesty, nobody but those who have to care for him are allowed into his room because he's so badly maimed. And the prince, though, he insisted on seeing uh, that one, and they, they agreed to do it. So he was brought into a room where a blind and dismembered and horribly disfigured soldier laid on a cot. And with tears in his eyes, that prince, he, he knelt and he kissed the cheek of that war hero. And you know, church, that's a beautiful picture for us today. Because you understand that perhaps, while perhaps not externally, you and I are far more broken than that soldier. And our brokenness, though, it's not because of any type of heroism, but rather because of the ugly sin that has stained our souls. And yet, Jesus Christ, he stooped down far lower than that prince did in order to show love and compassion on us. Now, Jesus Christ, we know he is the only answer to our sin. He is the only answer to our brokenness. And as you look around in the world today, it's very obvious that we live in a broken and fallen and sin-cursed world, don't we? But there's only one answer to that, and that answer is Jesus Christ. So we're going to go ahead and dig into our text and look at the first point. First, we see a sin-cursed world. Look at verse 21 again. We see a sin-cursed world. It says, And when Jesus was passed over again by the ship, 
unto the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet, and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. And Jesus went with him. And much people followed him and thronged him. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood twelve years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, she was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. And we see here at church that Jesus left Gadara. He goes to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which would be the, the northwestern shore. But unlike the, the people of Gadara, these people were much more accepting of him. Uh, they were uh, much more happy to see him. And uh, it says here that people went unto him. This means that they went after him. They were chasing after him. Uh, you think of like a paparazzi with a celebrity or a bunch of wild fans of a, of a sports star that they just, they want to see. They were, they were all over him. They were chasing after Jesus. And Jesus, he was the great center of attention here. And in fact, Luke's gospel tells us that instead of angrily rejecting Christ like the people of Gadara did, these people gladly received him. And let's go there. Let's go to Luke chapter 8 to see this. Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8, and look at verse 40. This is uh, Luke's account here. Look at Luke chapter 8, verse 40. It says, And it came to pass... Now when Jesus was returned, the people gladly received him. And look what else it says. For they were all waiting for him. So Jesus left, and they were anticipating his return. They were waiting for him to come back. They, they, they weren't just glad to see him. They had been waiting for him to come back since he had left. And we don't know for sure why. It could be that uh, they were waiting for him because they knew that this little girl, Jairus' little girl, was in desperate need of care and in need of his touch. It could be that uh, Jesus' uh, miracle in the synagogue back in uh, Mark chapter 3 where he healed that uh, demonic possessed man, uh, it could be that that had such a great impact on uh, everybody that they just were waiting for him to come back. And we know he wasn't gone for a very long time. Uh, but we see here that as Christ arrives to the shore, we really see the results of a sin-cursed world, don't we? We see a world that is very familiar to us today. We see a world that's uh, full of pain and full of brokenness and, and, and sadness and helplessness. We see a world that is riddled with sin. And we start off here in our text by seeing brokenness and sadness because a, a, a young girl, a 12-year-old girl, a daughter of a very prestigious man, he was on the verge of dying. Let's go back to Mark chapter 5. Look at Mark chapter 5 and, and look again at verse 22. And this is just, we see that, that this man, Jairus, he was desperate. And I'll tell you why in a moment here. The scripture tells us, look at verse 22 again. It says, in chapter 5, verse 22, Behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. Listen, this man, Jairus, was very desperate beyond words. And you say, well, why do you say that? Well, listen, Jairus was not just a common civilian. 
It tells us here that he was a ruler of the synagogue. He was a ruler of the synagogue. So what would he do? He would take care of the, the synagogue building. He would uh, be in charge of finding teachers for the synagogue. He would kind of be like the examiner of the, of the discourse in the synagogue. He actually kind of was like a, a modern-day deacon in the local church. So he was a very well-known person in this community. He was a very well-respected man in this community. And clearly, uh, he, he did not care, though. He was very desperate because he was bowing to the one that the religious establishment called a blasphemer. I want you to understand, the Pharisees and the religious establishment, they already hated Jesus Christ. They already were trying to set a plan in motion to try to kill Jesus. And here we have a ruler of the synagogue that's part of the religious establishment. He's bowing to the one that these people called a blasphemer and heretical. So he was, he was really risking everything to do this. And it says in verse 23 that he besought Jesus greatly. This means that he begged and he pleaded with Christ. And he said, listen, my daughter is lying at the point of death. And the idea behind that is simply that she was in her last gasp. She was taking her last breath of life. And can you imagine this happening? And for those of you that have children, you know how dear and precious they are. To you, can you imagine the pain and the confusion and the sorrow that would be going through Jairus' mind? He didn't care what anybody thought. He did not care what the religious establishment thought. He did not care what they were going to do to him. He wanted to see his daughter healed. So Jesus Christ, he promptly goes with him. And on the way, he's interrupted by yet another situation that displays the brokenness of humanity. Look at verse 24. It says, And Jesus went with them. And much people followed him and thronged him. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood twelve years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. We see Jesus is on the way to heal this little girl. But then a certain woman that had an issue of blood uh, interrupts this whole thing. Uh, the, now, this issue of blood, it's some sort of ongoing bleeding, possibly from a tumor or some other disease. We don't really know for sure. But we're told here that she suffered much pain at the hands of doctors. We see that she was financially strained. And uh, despite going to a lot of doctors, she was not made any better, but only worse. And it kind of reminds us uh, of that, that maniac of Gadara. Remember when they tried to come up with their own man-made solutions to, to fix him? Well, we'll just bind him up, and then what happened? He broke those, uh, those chains. But she was never made better. She was just worse. And for 12 years, church, this lady tried to get help, but she was unable to. Now, to make matters even worse, not only was she physically doing terribly, but she was also ceremonially unclean in this Jewish culture. And let's go to there. Let's go to Leviticus chapter 15 where it talks about that. Go to Leviticus chapter 15. This issue of blood made her ceremonially unclean in this culture. And because of this, this would mean that she could not go to the temple. She could not go out in public. She could not go to the marketplace. In fact, what she was doing right here in Mark chapter 5, she was not supposed to be doing that either. Look at Leviticus 15. And look at verse 19. It says, And if a woman have an issue, and her issue in her flesh be blood. She shall be put apart seven days, and whosoever toucheth her shall be unclean until the even. 
And everything that she lieth upon in her separation shall be unclean. Everything also that she sitteth upon shall be unclean. So listen, she was ceremonially unclean in this Jewish culture. She really was just as much of an outcast as that demon-possessed man from earlier. She was just as much of an outcast as a leper. So consider this, church, the 12 years of, of loneliness and pain and heartache because of this issue. And in this, what we've read, and in this chapter, we, it really has it all, doesn't it? It has heartbreak as a parent is about to see their child die. It has medical problems that lasted for years. It has financial distress as she spent all that she had uh, to, for the doctors. It has uncertainty. It has pain. It has heartache. It has isolation. It has loneliness. It has depression. And it has desperation. And truly, Mark chapter 5 and the world in Mark chapter 5 is a world that's very, very familiar to us today, isn't it? Amen. Problems and sin and depravity, and disease, it's all around us. Do you see what sin has done? Hey, listen, whenever you see a problem in the world, or you see uh, murder, or you see mistreatment, or you see abuse, I want you to understand this morning, that it is not of God, that is because of sin. Sin has done that. Since Adam and Eve, sin has brought a great deal of pain and a great deal of sadness in this world. And I want you to know this morning that your sin has done great damage to your soul. My sin has done great damage to my soul. And there was nothing that any human could do to help Jairus. There was nothing that any person could do to help this woman with the issue of blood. And there's nothing that anybody can do to fix the problem of sin today except for one. And that's Jesus Christ. I like what Psalm chapter 108, verse 12 says this. Listen, give us help from trouble, for vain is the help of man. Hey, look, these people, they had great faith. These two people, Jairus and the woman with the issue of blood, they had great faith, and it drove them to go to Jesus Christ. And that brings us to the second point. We see a sincere confidence. Go back to Mark chapter 5. And look at verse 27 and 28. These two people had a sincere confidence in Jesus Christ. Look at verse 27. It says, When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press and touched his garment. For she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. Hey, listen. In times of brokenness, in times of disease and depression and anxiety and trouble and affliction, what are we supposed to do? This woman serves as a wonderful example of what we should do. Press towards Jesus. Amen. Go to Jesus. This woman had a, a tremendous faith and a tremendous confidence in Jesus Christ. She heard of Jesus Christ. She heard, no doubt, of his miracles. She heard uh, about what he had done. And she came through the crowd and touched his garment. And because of her condition, remember, she was ceremonially unclean. So if people saw her and she made a public uh, uh, announcement that she was coming through, they would be upset. They would, be, they would not be happy with her. So because of her condition, she discreetly comes up behind Jesus, just uh, as Nicodemus, you know, in, in John chapter 3, how he discreetly went uh, to him by night. And she touches his garment. Why did she touch his garment? Because she believed 
if she would just touch the garment of Christ, she would be made whole. And this is a tremendous display of faith, isn't it? The, the decision to go to Jesus, it would be the greatest decision that she ever made. Her faith gave her access to Christ. You understand, without faith, she never would have left her house. Without faith, she never would have gone to Jesus. She would have just stayed home if she did not have faith. But her faith in, in Christ and what he could do, it gave her access. It drove her to go to him. I want you to understand this morning that faith gives people access to Jesus' life-giving power. But we know that unbelief blocks it. Now we've gone uh, to this several months ago, but let's go back to Mark chapter 2. We see the truth that, that faith gives us access to Jesus Christ. It gives us access to God. Look at Mark chapter 2. We'll look at verse 5. And just to kind of set, up, set it up for you, just so you know what's going on here. Um, there was four men, and there was a man that was uh, sick of the palsy, and he was laying on this, on this cot. And uh, the, the, the four friends, they could not get to Jesus because they were inside this house. So instead of just saying, well, we tried, let's just go home. They didn't do that. They decided to go up on the roof, and they decided to, to make a hole. And by the way, it would have been a big mess uh, in, in that day with, the, with all the clay and the sand and all that that would be coming down over Jesus. And instead of Jesus looking up and getting all angry because uh, these people were, were dis destroying likely Peter's house, uh, what did he do? Look at verse 5. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. And then we look at verse, look at verse uh, 11. I say unto thee, Arise and take up thy bed. And go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch as they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. Hey, listen, the great faith of these four men and this man uh, enabled them to have access to Jesus Christ. Uh, and I want you to understand today, church, that, that faith in Christ, it gives us access to God. Hey, listen, do you have faith? Do you have faith in Jesus Christ? And first and foremost, do you have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ to save your sin-sick soul? Faith in Christ is what gives us forgiveness from sin. You know, I know, and I talk about this all the time, I know that there are some people here this morning, you have been searching for God in all the wrong places. You've been searching for forgiveness from God and restoration to Him in your works or in your church membership or in your good deeds or in your giving. But listen, none of that is going to bring you to God. None of that is going to give you forgiveness from sin. It's not of any works, lest any man should boast. We only gain access to God through faith in Jesus Christ. And if you have not yet trusted in Christ and at this very moment you are standing at odds with God, you are a child of wrath. You are a child of Satan. Listen, again, every one of us, we were born into sin. We are, we are at odds with God because we are sinful people. And God, He can have no part with evil. He can have no part with sin. Because He's perfect, He's pure, He's holy. None of our good deeds are going to do any good. All of our righteousness is as what? Filthy rags. We must trust on Christ. He is the only one that can get us 
to God. He came and he, he lived a sinless life. He, he died and he shed his blood on the cross for our sins. He was buried. He rose again the third day so that we could be forgiven by God. He was the ultimate and perfect sacrifice. And it's not of works. It's only through Christ. Let's go to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. I don't understand, and we need to pray for people, and if you're here, we're praying for you that you would see the truth, but I don't understand how anybody could say that you are saved by any works if they've ever read the Bible. If you read the Bible, you know very obviously that you're only saved by faith in Christ. It's not of any works. Look at verse 1 of Romans chapter 5. It says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Hey, listen, we're justified by faith. We have peace with God through Christ. It's not by anything that we have done. So, listen, have you trusted in Christ today? Have you been born again? If not, then what are you waiting for? Trust in Christ and be saved today. Faith in Christ gives us access to God. But it also gives us access to see many wonderful things happen for the glory of God. Again, you consider this woman as she was being healed with this issue of blood. Hey, listen, do you believe, Christian, do you believe in the power of prayer? Do you have faith enough to believe that Christ can heal your pain? He can fix that problem. He can get you through that storm. He can save that loved one. He can heal that disease. Do you have faith in God that He can do that? Look, faith it gives us access to the life-changing power of Christ, but unbelief blocks it. I, can, I think about um, that verse that we all probably know, Matthew 13, 58, that tells us that Jesus did not many mighty works there. Why? Because of their unbelief. Unbelief is like a roadblock that makes it impossible to, to, to get to Christ. It's, it's impossible to get around. Uh, unbelief stops people from even going to Christ. It stops Christians from even bothering to pray. To pray by faith. You know, I think of, of my kids. Man, sometimes they'll come to me and they'll ask me the craziest things. And I mean, they'll ask me for the craziest things. They'll ask me to give them something. But you understand that whenever my kids come to me and they ask me for something, it's because they have an inkling of faith that I will grant their request, no matter how crazy it is. If they didn't believe that I was going to maybe say yes, they would not even bother. And listen, so it is with the child of God. If you don't have faith that God's going to answer your prayer, then why would you even bother? If I, have, if, I, if I have unbelief, I'm not going to pray for God to fix my problems or to, to change that heart or to save that soul or to work in that life or to heal that health problem. But this woman with the issue of blood, she had great faith and she went to Jesus Christ. Jairus had great faith, so he went to Jesus Christ. They did what they needed to do. They had great faith. And church, listen, Christ gives us what we need, doesn't he? Psalm chapter 73, verse 26, it says this, My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. So consider this morning, what hinders your faith? What stops you 
from pressing through that crowd? What stops you from pressing through the difficulties and the pain and the heartache that you're going through in order to get to Jesus Christ and to draw strength from Him? What's stopping you from going to Christ by faith, believing that He can help you? Each of us have a great need for Christ, and we all have a great Christ for every need, don't we? Now at times you may, and I know that there are a lot of people here that are going through some hard and difficult times. You may feel alone in this life. You may feel, well, you know, I don't think anybody really cares about my pain or about my problems or my crisis. But listen, our text clearly shows us that Jesus Christ does care. He cares about the individuals. I mean, it's just amazing. Let's go and look at chapter 5 again. Lastly, the final point, we see the Savior's compassion. Look at verse 29 of Mark chapter 5, the Savior's compassion. Look at verse 29. It says, And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And immediately, knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? Now this is, this is awesome, okay? The very moment that that, that woman touched Jesus' clothes, that spring of blood that was flowing out of her, whatever it was, it dried up. She felt that healing in her body, it says, and that means that she knew from experience that she was healed. She wasn't wondering, man, I wonder if I'm healed. No, no, she knew she was healed. And we're told that she was healed of this plague, and that word plague simply means a whip or a scourge. So you consider uh, basically that, that disease, that plague was whipping her. It was beating her. It was harmful to her, but Jesus Christ took care of it. This Jesus, he had such great compassion on her that he immediately, he went to heal Jairus' daughter. And yet he had such great compassion for an individual that he healed that woman. And then he stopped in the midst of all the chaos just to find her. Look at, uh, well, we'll, we'll look, at there, look at it there again. Well, actually, yeah, let's just look at verse 31. Look at verse 31 again. It says, And the disciples, his disciples said unto him, Thou seest a multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou who touched me. So Jesus, he, he, after he uh, felt this virtue or this power going out from him, he asked this around him, everybody, he said, Who touched me? Who touched my clothes? Now, here's the thing, church. I want you to understand something. Jesus did not ask this question because he was clueless, and he didn't know who touched his clothes. He knew. I mean, he's Jesus, right? It's God. In the flesh. He knew exactly who touched his clothes because he was God. But what he was doing was he was trying to draw her out of the crowd so that she could praise God for what had happened. He wasn't clueless. He was God. Now when Jesus asked this question, uh, a, a disciple responded and Luke tells us that it was Peter. Good old Peter, right? We know Peter, he, he's like the unofficial spokesperson of the, disciple and, uh, the disciples and a lot of times he'll say things that he probably shouldn't say. Well, when Jesus asked this question, Peter was very confused. Because, I mean, he says here, he says uh, in verse 31 that his disciple, and again it's Peter, said unto him, You see the multitude thronging thee, and you're saying, Who touched you? <laughs> Listen, so this thronging, I just want you to understand what this, why Peter thought this way, because we probably say the same thing. This thronging, it means to be pressed to the point of almost being suffocated. It's a Bible word that's used of crushing grapes in order to make wine. So 
Peter sees all these people around Jesus, like almost suffocating him, and everybody's touching him, everybody's around him, and Peter says, Jesus, you're asking who's touching you, and listen, everybody's touching you. They're all over you, so what are you talking about? But Jesus Christ, he knew that the touch of this woman was different than all the others. Look at verse 32. He looked around about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. So listen, as Jesus sought this woman out, she was fearful and trembling. Why? Because she broke the ritual purity of Jesus Christ and those that were in the crowd. That may have touched her as well. Uh, she, she did not want to be called out, but despite this, she bravely fell down before Jesus Christ and told him everything anyway. And as she did this, you know, no doubt many people in the crowd may have been angry. Peter may have thought, how dare she do this? How dare she touch Jesus and make him ceremonially unclean? How dare this unclean woman touch Jesus and, and put all the crowds at risk? But what did Jesus do? How did Jesus respond? How did Jesus react? Look at verse 34. And he said unto her, look at that word there, daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and behold of thy plague. Hey, listen. Jesus did not rebuke her. Jesus did not scold her. He did not get angry with her. He did not push her aside. He did not say, how dare you? Instead, he called her daughter. And he said, your faith has made you whole. And, and church, this speaks of both physical healing, but more importantly, spiritual healing. The compassion that Jesus Christ had for that woman ran deep. She came to him as an outcast in her society, but she left him part of the family of God. She came to him as an unclean woman, but she left him as pure. She came to him as a child of Satan, but she left as a daughter of God. Jesus had great compassion on her. She ca he cared about this one lady. This one lady that the doctors did not bother treating anymore. This one lady that nobody else cared about. This one lady that was really seen as a waste of space. And she, of all people, was loved and cared for by Jesus Christ. And church, look, this is who Jesus was, and it's who he is today. He often had compassion on the sick and the needy and the outcast and the lost. Let's go to Matthew, just to look at a couple examples briefly. Look at Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. Jesus always cared for the lost. He's always cared for the individuals. He's always cared for those that were outcasts and needy and sick people. Look at verse 36 of Matthew chapter 9. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. Because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. You understand, when Jesus saw the multitudes of people, like all just gathered together, he did not even just see them as just a crowd of people that needed saving or that needed a shepherd, he saw every individual. He saw every individual and knew they needed him. They needed Christ. They needed the gospel. And he had compassion. Let's go to Matthew chapter 14. 
Matthew chapter 14. And look at verse 14. Look at verse 14. It says, And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them, and he healed their sick. Look at Matthew chapter 20. Lastly here. Matthew chapter 20. Look at verse 29 of Matthew chapter 20. It says, And as they departed from Jericho, a great multitude followed him. And behold, two blind men sitting by the wayside, when they heard that Jesus passed by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou Son of David. And the multitude rebuked them, because they should hold their peace. But they cried the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou Son of David. So everybody's angry at him, but what did Jesus do? And Jesus stood still and called them and said, what will ye that I shall do unto you? They say unto him, Lord, that our eyes may be open. So Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. And immediately their eyes received sight and they followed him. Church, Christ has always had compassion for souls and he has compassion today. He cares about each life today. And I want you to understand that this is great news for everybody. For those here this morning that are lost in their sins, this is great news because this means that you can come to Christ today and He can save your soul. It does not matter what sin you've committed in the past. It does not matter if you're an outcast. It does not matter if your family and your friends have rejected you and forsaken you. It does not matter if you have denied God time and time again. Today, you can come to Christ. Amen. Jesus had compassion for these people. And he has compassion for you. And he wants to save your soul. I think of a young man that, was, uh, that got saved at the youth conference. And again, I'm thank so thankful to God that he did that. Uh, this young man, he has long hair down to here. He's gone through a lot of abuse. His father and mother were not, not good parents. And his dad left him. He's gone through a lot. And no doubt, he's probably thought a lot of times, man, I wonder if anybody cares about me. Well... He got to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he professed to trust Christ that day on Thursday night. And I remember I, I went up to him on Friday before we left. And I, I, I recognized him pretty easily because, you know, of his long hair. And I said to him, I said, you were the one of the ones that got saved, weren't you? He said, yes, I was. He said, your message really struck a chord with me. And I said, no, no, that was the Holy Spirit of God that was convicting your heart. And I was able to encourage him just to continue on for Christ and to to get uh, plugged in in his local church. And actually, he goes to Pastor Gapsky's church. And Pastor Gapsky just took a new church. And thank God for, for him, for him uh, taking that church. But listen, that young man could easily be looked at as somebody that's, well, I, I don't know. I don't know if I want to go that far. I don't know if, I, if, if he really would listen or, or maybe by a lot of people's standards, especially in churches today, may look at him and immediately cast judgment. No, listen. That person needs Christ. Amen. It doesn't matter what people look like. It doesn't matter what they've gone through. It doesn't matter what they've done. Everybody needs Jesus Christ. We ought to have compassion as Jesus Christ did on every single soul. He cares about every soul and he cares about your soul. He's not willing to have the wrath of God be put on you. So to, have, to know that Jesus Christ has compassion, that's great news for everybody. That's great news for the lost because you can come to Christ today. But it's also great news for the Christian. As mentioned, many here this morning, you're, you're dealing with 
the results of sin. You're dealing with brokenness. You're, you're dealing with pain and heartache. Listen, you can take comfort in knowing that Christ cares. He cares. Or you can take comfort in knowing that Christ hears you when you cry. Psalm chapter 18, verse 6 says, In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God, and he heard my voice out of his temple, and my cry came before him even into his ears. You can cry out to God. We can take comfort in that fact, and we can also take comfort in the fact that while we have no ability to change hearts and we have no ability to change our difficult circumstances, Jesus Christ, he can. We can have faith in Jesus Christ because he can do anything. He can heal the sick, as we saw and heard with Alan Kenny. He can fix the broken. He can change lives. He can save that soul and do incredible things. And I want you to understand this morning that any change that Christ does bring along is simply an act of grace. It's an act of grace. Our God can answer prayer. Our God does reward faith. Our God can heal the sick, as James chapter 5 tells us. The prayer and faith can make a difference. So listen, as we pray, as you pray, as you seek Christ, as we ask Him to change that heart or to save that soul, and I know a lot of people here, you're, you're praying for God to work in certain people's hearts. Sons and daughters and nephews and, and co-workers and, and moms and dads, as you pray for God to, to change that heart, to save that soul, or to change the situation that you're in, you can know that God, He does have the power to do so. But we can also know that even if He doesn't, that He is still there. He is still faithful. He is still compassionate. He is still loving. He is still able to guide us through every trial, every pain, every hardship. So church, no matter what you're going through in your life, what we need to do is exactly what that woman did. We need to press towards Him. Press towards Him and through every difficulty, every pain, and every trial. D.L. Moody rightfully said that real faith is man's weakness leaning on God's strength. Every person in here, we are weak. But God, He is strong and He is mighty. So do you have faith in this great Savior? Are you pressing towards Him in your difficulty, in your affliction, in your trials? Are you leaning on His strength or are you leaning on something else? If you go to something else, you're only going to come up empty. Have you gone to Him in your time of need? And are you trusting in Him to get you through? Christian, consider what area do you need God to grow your faith. What is he trying to do in this trial? Are you going to Jesus in the midst of it, whatever it is that is going on in your life? And again, to the lost souls here this morning, what is stopping you from coming to trust Christ? Amen. Hey, listen, lose your pride and come to Christ. Trust in him. Fall on his grace. Amen. It'll be the greatest decision that you ever make. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning.